You're listening to devpath.fm, the podcast about career development for software engineers. Join the conversation at www.devpath.fm or on Twitter at devpathfm. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the DevPath Podcast. I'm Jacob Harrington, talking today with Ben Aligbadu. Ben is a React developer. He's a Microsoft MVP, and he works at Eventbrite as a principal engineer. Uh, ben, you want to say hi and talk about your day job a little bit? Hey, everyone. Uh, happy to be here. Thank you for inviting me uh, to chat with you. Um, so like you mentioned, uh, I work at Eventbrite. Um, I've been at Eventbrite for almost four years, I guess. It'll be four years in May, um, and currently, yeah, I'm a front, a principal front end engineer, focusing a lot on React infrastructure. So the team I'm on, we uh, focus on infrastructure, so Babel and Webpack, and just trying to create uh, an environment for our developers so that each app they build um, can be isolated from our monolith, which is kind of a big deal that we're uh, dealing with right now. Then the other side of it is also we have a design system or a component library, however you want to phrase it. That's also in React that we're building so that all of the developers don't have to recreate different uh, common elements uh, that we use. So that's been uh, the main focus of my work right now. Um, But I've actually gone through, uh, I guess, what I consider an interesting journey um, at Eventbrite. So I started as a senior engineer in May 2015, and I was uh, an IC on our event listings team. So we were responsible for that landing page that has all the information about the event. And Mm -hmm. I worked on that team until the end of the year. So that would be about seven months or so. And uh, then uh, a front-end platform team um, got got created. It was very clear that uh, we needed people who just focused on the infrastructure on the platform instead of having people try to do it in their spare time here and there. So was on that team. It was a team of three of us. Uh, We didn't really have a manager. So then at some point, I became the manager of the team. So like 50% management, 50% development. Um, And that went really well. And folks, I guess the powers that be, I guess I'll call them, management felt that I was doing uh, well at that. And they wanted me to try being a full 100% manager of a different team uh, that really needed uh, some help and because they lost their manager. And I did Mm -hmm. that for about six months or so. So I went from like feeling um, rewarded by shipping code and seeing my code live to feeling rewarded by uh, other people uh, doing that. And it was a Mm -hmm. pretty big uh, transition for me. And it was okay, and I still got kind of my feet wet or uh, whatever you want to call it by code reviewing and helping people with architecture stuff, but I didn't get to do any um, development. Uh, but then there was uh, we acquired a company, Ticketfly, and they were probably, I don't know, a quarter of our size. So it was more like a merger than an acquisition, but we reorganized the whole company and I took that opportunity to go back to, to being an IC. And that's where I've, I've been for the last year and a half or so. 
So mm. I've had an opportunity to kind of try different things and work on different projects, which has been really cool. Yeah. So now that you're back to being kind of that individual contributor, what do you think is the most enjoyable part of doing that, especially in comparison to management? You're right. So, I mean, what I enjoy is just like delivering and developing. And uh, so I get to do that uh, primarily. And what I found lately is that I've been able to work on uh, different projects or use different technologies that I haven't uh, used before. So uh, one time I was working on like writing all of these bash scripts and uh, configuring Jenkins and like stuff that I never really thought I wanted to do and used to try to pass off to other people. But then once I got into it, like it was all brand new. I had to learn all this new stuff. And it was pretty intimidating, to be honest, because I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to do it. But then once I did it, it was like very satisfying just to see the benefit that it was giving people. And then just recently, um, I've been working on a, a Babel code mod because I needed to change um, like all of our code to do something different. And I had never done that before. And the docs for that are not that great or non-existent. So I had to just kind of learn by spelunking through code and trying to find whatever examples I could. And um, I have a coworker who's done it a, a few times before. So once again, another time where it's like, I don't know how long this is going to take. I don't know how successful this will be. But then once I kind of got into it, then I was able to bring in, you know, my expertise for the last 12 years or so that I've been um, doing development. Mm -hmm. into something that's brand new and then be able to apply it there. And it really worked out pretty well. So just kind of that, uh, I've been really enjoying that um, taking a leap of faith kind of thing, I guess I'll call it, and trying something new and then seeing that I can actually do it. And it's actually pretty fun. Yeah. Yeah. And that uh, kind of tools infrastructure stuff is really rewarding because you get to see your own work amplify the effects of others. So it's almost yeah. like uh, you, you know, the, the the myth of the 10x engineer. That guy is probably a tools a developer. Right, right, right. Yeah, and the thing the thing about infrastructure though is that you don't visually see your work. I mean, it maybe it results in this number being smaller because it ran faster or whatever. Uh, but you, yeah, you definitely it's definitely reflected in what everybody else is uh, is able to do. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. But then I still mix it up with a lot of UI development and component development and stuff as well. So I kind of like both. Yeah. You get to do a little bit of everything. Yep. Cool. So to rewind quite a bit, um, mm -hmm. how did you get started with development? Cool. Oh, well, yeah. So I have to take it back to um, the summer after eighth grade. So there was this private school in my area. I'm from Houston, Texas, originally. And this uh, school was doing um, a summer program for engineering, math, science. Um, and it was catered towards uh, diversity students. So um, in that program, it went between, it was the summer before ninth grade, the summer before 10th grade, and the summer before 11th grade, um, if you continued on. And they taught different, you know, it taught us math and algebra and geometry, like whatever we were going to learn in school. 
but then they also taught us computer science. And the first computer science language I learned was basic, I believe. Uh, that was the first year. Then I learned Pascal, I believe. And then I learned C plus, no, probably was just C um, at the time. So I'm really kind of dating myself now <laughs> with that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I did it and I really, really enjoyed it. Like it caught on really well, like others were um, struggling with it. And I was like, no, I just, I just get this. Like, this is now what I want to do. And then, um, so then in high school, I took um, programming classes as well. So I think that was in C++ and for two years and then decided to get my degree in computer science in college when I went to Stanford. So that's kind of how I got that foundation. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it sounds like you kind of, you took to it, right? Did you, yeah. did that carry on into your career or did you ever kind of encounter uh, imposter syndrome? Um, so interesting. So I graduated from Stanford with my CS degree and um, also got a, a master's and started working and doing web development. So web development wasn't anything that was ever, um, taught in school at that time yet. Mm -hmm. um, but I had had internships throughout college. So um, I got to, was fortunate enough to work uh, at Microsoft. And then because I worked at Microsoft the next year, Amazon um, uh, gave me an internship, even though they didn't give internships to rising juniors, only rising seniors. But I guess because I had Microsoft on my resume, they missed that part. <laughs> thankfully, <laughs> and then worked at uh, Yahoo in the Bay Area. So I'd had lots of experience doing web development professionally. And um, I think like looking back, so imposter syndrome wasn't a thing or wasn't a, a phrase, I sure. guess, back then. And um, a lot of us at the time, you, you got into that industry because you had a CS degree. So I guess that was just like what you were supposed to do. I think looking back that probably I had imposter syndrome in certain areas, but I was maybe too full of myself or just too naive to realize um, that I should have imposter syndrome. And I just went in <laughs> saying, hey, I got a degree from Stanford. I should be able to do all this stuff. So, yeah, uh, you know, whatever. So funny enough, I didn't have imposter syndrome until I left my first job and came to Eventbrite. Because mm -hmm. I was at my first job for almost nine years. So from time I graduated um, until I came to Eventbrite. So I, I was, you know, one of the leaders at the company on the front end, especially. But I wasn't sure if it was like, you know, was I just good at this company and very familiar with our stack because it was kind of proprietary stuff? Or can I actually be good in general? And I had never had that proven until... Um, I came to Eventbrite and I was worried I was being hired on as a senior engineer to lead people and to be an example to help move the company. But I wasn't sure, like, you know, in the beginning, there were all these technologies that I never used. I never used Backbone before. I had never used NPM before because we had our own, we had everything internal. And um, I would just was I that's when imposter syndrome came over me. It's like I never used all of these things, but I'm supposed to be like great already. Um, 
So luckily it was in an, an environment where I was able to, I was given the time to, to learn them, to pick them up. And then, uh, the imposter syndrome kind of died down in that way. But then it always creeps up in different areas. So, you know, um, as a speaker now, I'm expected to, I guess, basically know everything. So <laughs> somehow, so people ask me questions and then it's like, no, I haven't had experience using that before. And they're like, what? You don't know how to use that? And I'm like, no, hmm. I don't use everything in the world because like that's pretty much impossible. Impossible. So um, yeah, that's, it kind of comes and goes there. But now it's like, I'm kind of, okay in my skin and okay with not knowing certain things. And, you know, I will see people talking about, let's say Elm and everybody's excited about Elm and I know nothing about it except for what I hear at conference talks and I'm okay not knowing. And maybe there'll become a day where I need to learn it and I need to pick it up. And I feel confident that at that point I will be able to kind of pick it up and learn it. But until then I don't know. And, I don't have to feel um, like I'm less than or pretend like I understand everything in the world. Yeah, I've actually, in, in my own experience, realized that dropping that pretense as much as possible where you kind of uh, you hide your lack of knowledge or your insecurities mm -hmm. is probably the best way to level up yeah. because immediately it's so freeing to say, okay, I have a dumb question or, okay, I don't know. Yep. A developer's favorite pastime is correcting others. So <laughs> if you, if you can say, I don't know how to do this, someone's going to show you, yeah. you'll learn instantly. Yeah. Yeah. And actually that's kind of the advice I give, um, junior engineers or who, however you want to, uh, label someone who's just getting started. That's the advice I give them. It's like, you know, we hired you, we saw something in you either right now or what you're going to be able to do. So you're here, like, you no longer have to try to prove yourself. Like, mm. I know in the in, in the interview world, you're always trying to put on your best behavior and try to prove that you're worthy and worthwhile and such. But that I find that a lot of people that continues on the job, and they start making mistakes or not asking questions or just trying to do too much because of um, they've always been in that, that mindset since, you know, from the time they're in boot camp, maybe through the whole interview process. So I'm just like, Hey, you're here. It's okay. You can ask mm. questions. You can make mistakes like, and uh, people will be there to help you. People are there to uh, correct you. And it's not out of like, you're going to get fired this very moment or anything we're here mm -hmm. uh to work with you and i think once i found that once uh folks figure that out like whenever it is when i suggest it or afterwards then they're able to kind of relax and and be themselves and then start to grow and do great things yeah um on on the subject of of giving advice i just saw a blog post where someone basically asked what the best characteristics a mentor could have were. And my answer was uh, a really good mentor is going to make you feel comfortable being vulnerable. Mm -hmm. 
So if you want to be a really high quality mentor, one thing you can do is basically say it's it's okay to feel stupid. It's okay to be honest. Yeah. Um, and that's how you're going to grow. Yeah. Yeah. So again, on that on that subject, I, I want to ask: uh, Do you recall kind of the first experience uh, where you provided mentorship? Where that was? Hmm. So it'll probably be. I mean, really, it was probably sometime in in college, but I don't really remember it anymore. So I'll pick uh, some time in my first job. So there you're, there became this point when I first was there, I was the young upstart, you know, person. And this, uh, and then at some point we started hiring people, I will say seasoned people left. And all of a sudden, like I'm kind of the leader, I became the old one somehow. I don't know how it happened, but mm-hmm. it, it did. And, um, yeah, it's trying to just help people um, uh, kind of pick up the craft. And so the thing is, and this is probably one area that I feel like I'm the weakest, is intentional mentoring. Because mm-hmm. I myself don't like intentional mentoring. Like if I, I learn by watching people do something and then I'll ask them a question about it, and then that's it. So I learn by seeing them do something, picking up the patterns, and I'm like, okay, that's how you speak in front of people, or that's how you speak up in a meeting, or this is how you write code, because I saw somebody else do a code review. It's like, I don't need that you know, periodic, let's meet, let's talk, let's chat sort of thing. I just learn by seeing. So... That is how I tend to mentor people, but I don't, I'm not quite sure if um, people like to be mentored that way. So, Mm -hmm. but a lot of the way I mentor is that sort of thing. So it's like, uh, I'll mentor in code reviews as to try to help people improve the way that they write code or um, try to lead by example in in meetings and things like that. Um, I have had some like, I've tried to have some specific intentional mentoring, but unless they would have to be like really, really persistent because I'm not the type of person to keep bugging someone and saying, Hey, okay, you got to do this or, Hey, it's time to meet again. Um, if they don't come to me again or consistently, then it's kind of like almost out of sight, out of mind sort of deal. Yeah. Do you think that ability to emulate others led to or helped facilitate your growth into a senior role? Or is that something that happened because of a different characteristic you had? So I think part of it, there are a a number of different qualities that I feel like uh, um, compose or comprise um, seniority. So one is just like the ability to develop quickly and to develop well. So instead of having to try a solution, it not work, try another solution, it not work, try another solution, it not work, and then figure out the solution, you can just get it on the first time. Or you can quickly debug a problem and, and, and see what the answer is. And as, or it can take me, you know, 20 minutes to figure something out where it'll take somebody else the whole day to figure out what the problem is. Like that is one part of seniority. And I think Mm -hmm. that is what I learned a lot from um, watching other people um, do things. 
So I saw how um, this person used the, let's say, the developer tool in Chrome to figure something out. And, okay, now I will try to absorb that. And when I come across a problem, try to do the same thing and just kind of hone my craft um, that way. And then the other side is also kind of leadership and trying to and having the ability to teach others and help others grow. So um, instead of it just being what I'm developing, but also when someone has a question like, oh, how do I do this? Being able to actually articulate why um, you do this certain thing in React and what's the pros and the cons of it instead of just something that I do. And just really being able to have an opinion and have a well-informed opinion and then being able to teach um, somebody else about it. And then the final thing about seniority, which is kind of really hard to kind of explain or to put, uh, to quantify, is like there's this point before seniority where someone's able to generate a whole lot of code, but it's not necessarily like the right approach or the right way to do it. Like sometimes less is more and taking time to step back. And if you had a whole day, instead of spending the whole day coding, spend half that day thinking about the problem and the other part uh, coding, you come up with the more elegant solution, simpler solution, uh, scalable solution, whatever is the, the better quality that you need. And there's this cusp that uh, I think you're definitely senior when you're able to kind of figure that part out. Um, even though somebody can have all the talent in the world and be able to solve all the problems, like if they don't have that kind of mindset of, of the kind of best approach to build something or just taking some time, I think I consider them on the other side of, just on the other side of seniority. Hmm. So you mentioned three specific mm -hmm. things. The first one and the last one, I, to some degree, think those come with experience as I mean, some people, there is a level of aptitude. Yeah. Some people pick those things up. Um, you know, the first being your ability to, to ship quickly and well, the last being the kind of artistry part of this, where you can see beyond certain things and you can jump to conclusions. Yeah. Uh, it's like that, that one quote, you chip away the stone that doesn't look like David. Mm -hmm. I feel like those come with experience for the most part, but that middle part you, you talked about learning to articulate and mentor others. Do you think that is something that you have always had, or is it something you developed through practice, like by producing content? How, how would you advise someone build that skill? I would say you could, argue that all of them come from experience really it's just that the middle one the ability to teach others doesn't have to come from technical experience or development experience like i found myself just doing that in general whether it's homework in school or uh my sister or like that's just something that i was maybe a natural ability of mine that um over time, I kept doing and kept doing. So I had the experience of how to um, help different type of people. You have the 
person who does have um, does feel inferior. So how to kind of help them lower their guard so that they realize that um, even though they feel imposter syndrome, they don't have to. So let's move past that. Or you have the type of person who feels uh, very sure of themselves, I guess, and how to deal with that person Mm -hmm. because that person can be very off-putting if they try to convey that they know everything, um, but still they still need to be taught. They, they still clearly don't know everything, so how to work with them. So all of that kind of thing um, does come with experience, but doesn't have to necessarily be technical experience. Um, I would say the third one that I mentioned typically comes from technical experience, and to be honest, comes from doing it wrong before. Like I have yeah. definitely overbuilt things and had to deal with the repercussions of overbuilding things myself. It's not even somebody else yelling at me that, oh, you built this thing wrong. It's like I have to deal with me saying, past self, you built this thing wrong. So <laughs> doing that <laughs> over and over helps me kind of realize, oh yeah, I remember when I did it this way. Let me just uh, build it for now and then see where it'll go. Um, later. Um, so that one is definitely experience. The first one, um, it, I think it does come with repetition of doing it, but, um, a lot of it, well, I'm not quite sure how much of it is experience versus, um, just general aptitude. I think if you work really, really hard, you can obviously have the, the skill and the ability to develop a well as well, even if you didn't have the, the natural ability. So yeah, that's my thoughts about it. Yeah, no, those are those are great. I think to speak to your point about doing it wrong, um, I've I, I'm pretty uh, early on in my career, but I've started to catch myself recognizing mm-hmm. patterns um, where I'm like, okay, I I do it this way uh, every time, and it never works out. So let's do it this way. Or I see someone else doing that same yeah. pattern. I'm like, oh, I've been there, and that's I think where you have the opportunity to start providing mm-hmm. mentorship where you say, Oh, I've, I've definitely done that before. Let me show you what I do now. Yeah. And I think that's something that I don't know if it's just something I naturally have, but the ability to see patterns in the way things work, I guess has really helped me. So I don't necessarily have to have gone through the experience myself. I can see what other people have done, combine it with, you know, what I've gone through and then now I can make a suggestion to somebody as the, as the way to go or, or the way that we should go based upon what's happened um, before. So yeah, I think that's really helpful. Yeah. Yeah. It actually uh, kind of piques my curiosity. You talk about seeing other people do things a lot. Did you, did you kind of build that on the job or did you work a lot in open source? How did you, see the mistakes other had made what what was the the context of that yeah, some, somehow um i mean i guess coming in with the especially at eventbrite the reputation i don't know somehow i just ended up reviewing lots of people's code like across the company varying mm-hmm. different code like um feature code or infrastructure code just like across the board css code javascript code so i got to see a lot of different people's code at a lot of different levels. So I, I was able to see, oh, when somebody's just new, these are the kind of problems they run into and these are the things they don't they don't get 
Um, and that actually helps me create workshops around React because I kind of get to see what you know newbies run into. And also getting to see what that kind of pre-senior code looks like and how uh, there's kind of more than there needs to be. And then seeing definitely yeah. what senior code looks like um, as well and um, kind of how elegant it is. So I think a lot of my exposure has been internal to um, Eventbrite in terms of coding, but I just got to see so many different people that I, I've been able to see different um, different times and different points in people's experiences. But then also, um, because I speak a lot at conferences, I get exposed to how a lot of um, speakers write their code and how they uh, um, develop as well. So I kind of get to see a, a completely different uh, a view of code writing as well. So kind of com combining those two, I feel like I get a, a pretty broad spectrum of uh, development. So you mentioned uh, building workshops mm -hmm. and creating content and speaking. Um, I'm curious for you, did that, did you begin creating content before you were in this senior role or is that something that you've done now that you've got some experience? It happened after the senior role. So I was of the belief. So I, the funny thing is, since the beginning, when I started going to conferences, you know, a couple years in, I would go to a talk and I, and I would come out of it, not that the talk was bad, but I would come out of it saying, like, I could have done that. Like, I could have done that hmm. better, I feel like. Like, I knew this stuff and I feel like I could have delivered it, um, you know, better. So it started making me realize that I don't have to be Douglas Crockford, for instance, or I, I don't have to be the creator of the thing in order to talk about it. Like I can be uh, a user of the thing and then apply my uh, experience with it and explain something. So um, I actually, when I speak, I lean more towards the everyday use of whatever the feature is, the library is versus here's the next greatest thing that you can do with it. So um, because I code review a lot of code and people just want to know how to use it correctly. So that's kind of where um, I lean toward. So I going back to what I was saying, like in the beginning, I felt like I had to be a senior, know everything in and out before I could talk about it. But now, of course, um, I realize that that's, that's not the case. But um, what I like to do is basically, in a sense, open source my training, internal training in Eventbrite to everyone. So when we were switching from Backbone to React at Eventbrite, I took time to learn it and pick it up and such. And I knew it and my front end platform team, we knew it, but we had a whole bunch of, you know, dozens and dozens of front end and back end and full stack engineers who, who didn't know it. So we had to do a training on it. So instead of just trying to do something internal, I created a whole GitHub repo with all these uh, steps of how to build a React um, application so that not only would it work internally, but then I could also um, do it externally to help others or people could just go to it 
and be self-directed as well. So I just really have, I guess, a heart for teaching, a heart for other people learning and picking these things up. So uh, I think, though, the seniority does help with um, trying to provide the right way to do it and um, being able to explain the why of different aspects of it. Um, that mm-hmm. I think really comes into in in hand when doing a workshop because I always get questions like why this why not this why why not that and then having experience with all the different ways and say like oh well, I did it that way and it sucked so this is why we do it this way <laughs> you know so uh, that part helps but um, in general being able to talk about a topic you don't have to be a senior by any means. Yeah, and kind of to speak to that, sometimes that perspective, that fresh perspective or that ignorant perspective even can be more valuable because a creator or an expert might be blind to the day-to-day usage. And I've actually heard a couple people recommend to do this internally first, like go to your company and give your your conference talk or your meetup Mm -hmm. talk and get some feedback and then go give it publicly. And I think that's super good advice. Um, You're creating immense value for your your own organization yep. but you're also getting to kind of build your own professional brand and you're getting exposure and free feedback yep. that's one of the best i guess speaker life hacks out there that I've, i think i've heard yeah <laughs> just do this internally at your company get get the feedback first and then go out and and do it publicly yeah, i totally do that every talk i give if i can i do it internally just for the practice um, of it just to know the timing and oh, when I tried to explain this, it didn't really come off well or it took too many words. I need to figure out a way to make it more concise, like all that. But then, yeah, everybody there got to learn whatever it was. So that's pretty cool as well. Uh, But speaking of speaker life hacks or whatever you said, reminded me of something. (laughs) Um, When I, so I got to Eventbrite and there were a number of people who already uh, were speaking. I had never spoken ever before, but I knew that I wanted to get into it. Like it was something that I wanted to uh, develop in my career and was working with my manager on it. And what I ended up doing was I ended up just finding topics that I wanted to learn. And I don't do this now, but I did it then. And I, I put out proposals like, uh, so at the time it was ES6 that was just coming along and I didn't know it very well, um, but I wanted to learn it. So I put out conference proposals saying, hey, I'm going to give a talk about ES6 and these different aspects of it. And then I had to learn about it. And then I started blogging about it. Yeah. And then now people to this day still find blog posts that I wrote about ES6 promises, for instance, and uh, yeah. and such. So like giving a talk is a great way to have to like know the thing in and out. Cause you can't just like kind of know it or I read up about it. You have to be able to really explain what it is. So you have to know it, have to use it. So yeah, it's a great way to begin being a quote unquote expert on something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that's excellent advice. Um, you, you already kind of mentioned it Ben, but I want to bring it up again because I like to, really make an effort to humanize people like you who in some people's eyes are kind of this 
heroic figure. Yep. You're a very senior engineer, accomplished a lot, but you're also a human. So you have struggles too, right? What is a, another thing you mentioned? You struggle with formal mentorship, but what's another thing that you think you could say you're bad at or you could stand to improve at? Yeah. So there are a lot of things that I don't know in development. I, I mentioned some of them already, like some of the popular things that people are, uh, are using these days, like I've never really used React Native, so I'm pretty sure I'm bad at that. Um, I've never (laughs) used a lot of different technologies, so naturally I'd be bad at them. But even still, like um, something that I really, actually this was something that I, I guess I had imposter syndrome over. So um, Git, so I learned Git um, maybe, uh, probably like five years ago now. But I learned yeah. Git with a GUI. So I used mm-hmm. uh, this app called SourceTree, and I just always used it. And I never knew how to use the command line, really. Like, um, I knew how to maybe get pull or something, but not anything substantial, right? And I would see other people coming out of boot camps, no less, knowing how to do everything on the command line. And here I am trying to mentor them or help them through something and like i know what to do with the mouse but you know trying to instruct them like oh i think you do get rebase this like i don't i don't really know i can't really help you so it's like here's here's somebody with 10 years less experience than me like running circles around me on the command line so um Mm -hmm. the the command line in general is something that i've really uh been trying to work on Um, with Git specifically, but then also like just using all of the various Unix and uh, commands that you can do to, uh, you know, pipe things and standard in, like all these things, like I see other people doing, like that's something that I'm not good at, but I really want to get better. And I'm kind of just like forcing myself and like tying one hand behind my back because if I could just run this, uh, do this text search in Visual Studio Code, I could get it done quickly, but let me try to do something in the command line so I can, you know, get better. Um, so that's like the main thing that jumps out to me. Um, yeah. Yeah, the command line. But there are just like so many different things like um, that I just lack experience in. And then like I used to be, I would say, equal at CSS and JavaScript um, but then, and once like CSS three hit and there was like Flexbox, like that was like my pinnacle of CSS ability. So then like CSS mm-hmm. grid has come and, um, I haven't really learned that. So I don't know how to use it very well. I don't really know what's coming new in CSS that much. So it's like, um, mm-hmm. my abilities there are kind of waning and such. And then I see people talking about SVGs and like how you can do all kinds of fancy animations with those. And it's like, I've seen an SVG. I know it's XML, but like, yeah, so many things. Um, it's like hard yeah. to really quant- or just pick anyone out because there's just too much to know. Yeah, and I think it's it's one super important to admit that, right? It, you you need to be able to say I can improve and then make a plan mm-hmm. to improve uh, or decide yep. it's not worth it and not yep. improve in that thing. 
Um, but two, to be kind of honest about it and open about it, because you are living proof that not knowing something, uh, you know, not being the world's best command line hacker or not being the world's best CSS, like pixel perfect designer, you're still an excellent engineer. You're still very well respected and very successful and not being good at something or not, or being ignorant of something doesn't mean you're not a good engineer. Yeah. And a lot of people, especially people who are early in their career will be like, I don't know react or I don't know view and everyone Mm -hmm. around me is talking about it. I'm terrible at this. No, you just don't know one thing. That's okay. You can still be good at this and you can still have aptitude for it without knowing yeah. Every single yeah, thing. Yeah, you're totally right. And my suggestion to folks starting out is, you know, be aware of what's going on, of course. Like, you don't want to be um, ignorant of things, but be aware of it and then pick one thing at a time to try to be really good at. So, whether it's, I want to be really good at a JavaScript framework, so I'm going to pick Vue and really just develop things in Vue, so I'm really good at that. Like, and then move on to the next thing, um, and then the next thing, and then the next yeah. thing. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you hit it right on the head. It's like you can be great at these other things, but then be not so great or even not have no experience of these other things that lots of people know how to use. And even people with, quote unquote, less experience with you than you know how to use. And that's okay. And that's something that I had to, like, just kind of learn the hard way, really. It's because, like, I was, mm-hmm. um, people look to me for advice and look to me to know, give the answers for things because I do have uh, a depth of experience in certain areas. But then there are other things that they ask me, and I'm just like, you know what? I, I just don't know, to be honest. Like, we're going to have to both look at Stack Overflow because I have no idea. Yeah. And that's, yeah. that's totally okay to say. And yeah. we make sure people know that. Sometimes I think people struggle mm-hmm. with saying, I don't know. And like we mentioned earlier, that's a really good way to get better at this is to say, I don't know. So Ben, before we wrap up, I want to give you an opportunity to plug anything you're working on or you know your your content. So where should someone go to learn more about Ben Aligbadu? Well, let's see. Hmm. The best place I would say is Twitter. That's where uh, I'm most active. Um, so I talk about um, and retweet lots of different um, tech things or conferences going on, um, new developments in React or what have you in JavaScript. Um, but I also talk about things that I like too. So I talk about basketball a lot really as well. Um, yeah. So if anybody's interested in following either one of those, definitely uh, follow me on Twitter. My uh, handle is um, Ben MVP. So B-E-N-M-V-P. Um, and I'm also obviously on GitHub. So right now I'm working on this project. Uh, I call it, uh, Ben MVP CLI basically. So it's trying to solve this problem where I create all of these different libraries that I'm working on. And then I learn something new, like I learn a new thing with Webpack or new thing with Babel. And it's hard to go back to the old um, libraries and improve the infrastructure. It just kind of like languages, languishes. So I even have some libraries that are still written in ES5 because uh, it's just been too much trouble to try to add infrastructure to it. So the CLI is aims to 
provide testing, building, um, running, and then releasing uh, of a library. So all I'd have to do in theory is just bump a package. So it's kind of like create React app or Vue CLI, but just for TypeScript uh, libraries and such. So that's kind of my current passion project. Hmm. Well, Ben, thank you for sharing your experience and being uh, somewhat vulnerable and kind of allowing others to learn as you have from the mistakes you've made and the successes you've had. I really appreciate you spending some time on that and being willing to share. Oh, for sure. Thank you so much for having me and, and giving me that opportunity to share with others as well. Thanks for listening to devpath.fm. Want to ask a question? Send an email to jacob at devpath.fm.